Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 199. No updates on this one because we're just kind of right in the middle of stuff, carrying on. This one is going to be uh, as a result of mm, maybe some frustration that I've had uh, well, over the last couple years, really, but uh, it seems to be growing and more common. And maybe I'm just getting older and grouchy. It could be that too. But I want to talk about what I feel is the most important aspect of being an effective dog trainer. And I don't care what kind of dog you're training. I, I can't deal with the shih tzu and stuff, that attack stuff, because you got to kind of get them angry. So I can't, I've never been in that genre and I don't, can't say anything intelligent about it. But dogs that are going and performing, you know, tasks for us, whether it's hunting or herding or all of that, um, drug sniffing and search and rescue, when it, it C and I, when they're doing things for us that way, one of the, the, the most important thing, way to get from the untrained dog to the trained dog isn't by going through all the right motions. Obviously, there has to be your training system. It has to be a cohesive program that makes sense from start to finish. But the most successful person at all of that is not the one that is going to look at the external behaviors and judge everything by that or design what their training program, what the next steps in it are by looking at the external behaviors. And let me give an example. And let's just start at the very beginning for everything. Basic obedience. Basic obedience is where the dog, one, you establish a language of communication and an understanding between the two of you. That's important. Um, I've had so many people come and say, well, I don't even have my dog on a leash. He doesn't need to be on a leash. He's good. You know, <laughs> well, so we're always off the leash. And I always rudely say, that's just avoiding the problem because the on-leash work when you start isn't because you're going to spend your life on leash together. It is because that is where you set up the relationship and the communication between the two of you. And that is all important for everything that you do. So all of you people with young dogs that do, especially I've almost created a monsters because people go and do the walk with the dog. So the dog stays with them, doesn't really need a leash, come, you know, stays with them, go, works with them, comes back to the house with them. And this is awesome. So it's like you don't even need a leash. You do not on the walk, you don't need a leash because you're doing another training thing out there. But where you establish the relationship and the communication that you need for all subsequent training is on your leash work and basic obedience. So it is important and it should start when the dog is physically and mentally mature enough to grasp the concepts of you need to walk at my side and you need to sit when I say sit and remain seated until I say something else and to come when I call you. So that's basically what, what that is. So if you <clears throat> dog does better off a leash, that means they're not doing well on a leash, which means you do not have that relationship and you do not have that communication. Therefore, you do not have the steps for subsequent training to occur until that happens. That's just a fact. Now, 
in terms of when you start working with your dog and start working with basic obedience. Here's where the problem as I see it starts. And that is people look at the external behavior of the dog. If they're going to teach the dog to walk on a leash, then if the dog is walking on a leash and they're holding it in place, right, by having the leash torqued up enough that it can't do anything but walk at their side, and then after they say sit, the dog sits, and then they start moving again, and so, oh, now we can do a little bit of this. Okay, it's like, good, I've got this. See, he does, and I've had it. so many people say, oh, good, yes, good on the leash, because we can do that. I'll have to hold on the leash real tight, but they'll walk right next to me and sit when I tell them most generally, not always, not if, and here we go, if anything else is going on, then they won't do it. <laughs> That's like, then they won't do it. That's what that means. You know, they'll they'll only walk with you when you're holding on to them and if there's nothing more interesting. But as soon as something more interesting comes along, they don't do it anymore. It means you don't have it. I wish everybody could get that. You don't have basic obedience until they think when you tell them to do something, they have to do it. End of thought. Which brings me to, again, what I brought up, what the real problem is. When you are training a dog for anything, if it's very important things like seeing eye, search and rescue, handicap assist, you know, when you're training dogs for that, we're talking life and death. So everything is important. And I happen to approach my dog training the same way, uh, the hunting dog stuff and the competitive dog stuff, because it is life and death. Because if you can't call your dog off of something, they could get hurt or killed. They could get shot. They could get run over by the truck as they were chasing the fence across the road. So they can go off the bluff or through the fence that's not wide enough to go through. So many things can happen in our world, the hunting dog world. So I, I take it as seriously as if I were training a dog that could somebody else's life depended on. In approaching that, I don't know why anybody wouldn't do that. In approaching it that way, I have to always completely pay attention to what is in the mind of that dog. What are they thinking? Or are they not thinking at all? So just like with little human beings, if you do not have a dog's attention, and if you are not getting into their neural responses and into their head, you are not teaching them anything. You are just going through the motions to teach, <clears throat> just like to teach somebody, uh, a seven-year-old math. You have to have them invested in what's happening. You have to have them listening to you. You have to have them understanding what you're saying. And you have to have them feeling like they need to be interested in this, that this is important to them. You need all of that to teach that kid math or to teach that dog to heal and sit. So people have the cart in front of the horse when they say, <clears throat> well, my dog will do all this on the leash unless there's something else, another dog around or something comes up. What I hear, what, I'm, what I know is happening there is the dog is going, I'll endure this baloney, but as soon as something better comes along, I am out of here. That is the student sitting in that math class going, I don't care about math. I don't want to be here. I want to be outside throwing the ball around. I don't like this. I'm, as soon as the door opens, I'm out. Okay, <clears throat> nothing good is happening there. So instead of reading it like, well, they're just not mature enough. 
which again lets you off the hook. It's like I am not, I am not getting the attention and the investment of this student. I am not getting the attention and investment of this dog, and I have to do that. They are telling me that they are not taking this very seriously. So again, what I always hear is, well, they're just immature, they're young, you know, or they're good unless and then some condition. And that's what people tell me. And what I'm hearing is I have no clue how to make this dog take me seriously. And that's what has to happen. And the way that you do that first is by noticing what is this dog saying. And instead of looking at their external behaviors, you know, it, sit there and look at what their behaviors are saying to you. So let me give you an example. When you go to put a leash on, on your dog to do something, do they turn their head away? Or do they stick their head up through it, right? Right, right there. Pay attention to that. They're telling you, well, yeah, I want to do this or I don't want to do this. So now they're actually weighing in on how they feel about what you're asking them to do. Okay, personally, I don't let that happen. It's like, no, we're not. This isn't a thing where you can weigh in. You sit here and we're going to put the leash on and go. I just don't tolerate and fight them and get their head back. You know, I usually just kind of kind of thump them for sitting and then just slip the thing on their head. In other words, no, nah, let's don't do that. And then if you ever notice when you start healing with a dog and if they, if they lean far away and look the other direction the whole time you're doing it, again, they're weighing in and telling you, I don't like this, I don't want to be doing it. When their mind, this is the important part, folks, when their mind is on that, it's not on learning anything. So they're not learning, they are enduring things. So whenever you decide it's time to put a leash on this dog, and and it can't be, I'm not talking about a 12-week-old puppy. That dog does not have the mental ability to grasp any of that stuff. But you get a four, five, six-month-old puppy, yes. Do it before they learn that they're just feral animals and they don't have to do anything you say. They're only good off-leash. So you have to teach them, said, all right, we're going to start learning obedience. What, what, is it, what is the relationship you want to have with your dog? What is that? Do you want to spoil them? In which case, do not listen to my, my, any of my things at all because I think that is the most unloving, uncaring, self-serving, let yourself off the hook behavior there is. If you want these dogs, these dogs have to function. You want them to stay alive for 14, 15 years, right? You don't want bad stuff to happen to them. You want them to be good citizens. You want them to be pleasant to have around. So when they are old enough to do things, to learn, get your, not your choke chain, not the prong collar, unless you're uh, too weak to, to use much physical strength, get a choke chain and a leash and something to enforce sit, plastic stick I don't care I use a little plastic bat healing sticks you got they can hurt just be careful with that stuff have some ways and begin to teach them and what we're teaching them is we're using heal and sit here and all that to teach the dogs that we are a team you can always trust me I will always tell you the truth I will always be consistent I won't change one day ask more another day ask less I will be the same and I want you to do the same thing. I want you to learn what it is we're doing. I'm going to be very simple and straightforward. Sit means to drop your bottom. 
quickly, straight, so that all your muscles stay aligned and your bone structure stays good. And then we're going to walk, and you're going to walk with me. And there are, okay, as far as using treats on that, again, there's no respect for me. And uh, there's no respect in saying, here, if you do this, I'll give you food. I never did that to my kids, right? I never gave, you know, they had college scholarships. They did well. They were, they excelled at so many things, not because they got a reward if they did, but because they were doing that expansion, becoming the, the best person with their talents that they could. And so they weren't rewarded all the time. They were, um, uh, scholarships are reward, but they were doing well and improving and getting better was really what it was all about. And they've carried that now into their adult lives. It's the same thing with dogs. Instead of treating them like they're a circus animal and bribing them into certain behaviors, how about teaching them how to learn and respond and master things? That's a way happier animal and also an animal that understands how the world works because the world doesn't give you treats every time you do something good. And in the world of animals, in their natural world, the treat is killing the rabbit and eating it. You know, there, it, there's no treats and that's just for to stay alive. That's really not how they're uh, wound up. That's not how they are made. They are made to go perform and do certain things. And they're also service animals, so they're made to do it in conjunction with us. And so the reward is learning things and doing things alongside, which requires, one, that we are crystal clear in what we're asking, that we don't talk a lot and have all kinds of words, just the sit or the heal or the hear or whatever you say, that our standards never change. Sometimes we let them be sloppy and loose. Sometimes we're extra tough on them, but we stay the same with them every day. That way they learn to trust us. That is important because if you're always different, you cannot be trusted. And nobody, I wouldn't do good work for you. And a dog won't do good work for you. They're just reflecting you back. But if you look at what they're telling you and what they are thinking, and instead of, instead of extrapolating what you'd be thinking or whatever you want it to be, just kind of look at it, right? So when the dog is on a leash pulling, that's a dog that says, hey, I want to go over here, and I don't really care what you want. You have to change that thought process that they do need to think more about what you want than what they want. I would say in when I've talked to people that are having all kinds of problems with their dogs on stuff, and it always comes down to, and I could, you know, it could be on blinds, it could be in the upland field, it could be on marks, it could be on the line, it could be in the holding blind, it could be at home, where the dog is telling them, what I want is more important than what you want. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. They are telling you, I want to do this, and whatever you want is really not a thought for me. Their teacher taught them that. And their teacher needs to, one, take full responsibility for having taught that, and then come up with a way to teach what it is you want them to know. And I'm not talking, you don't want dogs to be you know, hunkered down, afraid of you. You don't want dogs that are, are 
terrified into this stuff. I am never talking about that. But I am talking about a respectful dog that says, we're working now. All right, what are we doing? And if you don't require that from them, then most of them will not give it to you. And then the problem is not them, but it is you. And so as soon as they are old enough to grasp this, again, we're talking about four or five, six months, that's the time to set up the relationship between the two of you in which the dog is concerned more about what it is you want and you're doing than what they want at that time. Now, when you're done training, then you t it's a good dog, take everything off. They can just go do what they want in the yard or kennel, whatever you have set up. Then they're free again. But when they go to do their job, just like when you and I go to do our job, we have to take it serious. We have to do what is expected out of us and hopefully do extremely well and improve things by doing our jobs. And dogs the same way, right? They're not little Tiffany crystals that you should just... Spoiling dogs is the most unloving thing you could ever do not to a child or to a dog. When you spoil a dog or just let them, you know, have whatever they want, you are taking care of your feelings and what you want out of this and how you want to feel. You are not doing what's best for that dog. It's true with kids. If somebody spoils their kids, buys them whatever they want, doesn't they, they can go to bed whenever they want, they can sit in front of a, TV, a screen for 10 straight hours, and they don't have to say, well, thank you to people, or they don't have to you know, do respectful things or maybe help out in the community. When they don't have to do that, they just think the whole world is there for them. It's just there for them. Those people, those kids are going to have trouble uh, when they get out later in life because they're just still going to think the world needs to just treasure them and do whatever they need, and they don't really have to be productive, fit in, contribute, uh, and maybe work hard. You hurt, hurt a kid when you don't do that. And, boy, you sure make it tough on a dog when they, are, when they learn as puppies, look, you're the center of, you want food here. Oh, you don't like that? How about this one? Oh, you like this toy? You want more toys? Do you want out? Do you want in? What do you want? Oh, you don't want to be on the leash? Okay. That's the worst animal in the world. It's also, it's one that absolutely doesn't give a hoot about you because you taught it. It's not about you. It's about them. And then when you start to try to teach them something, right? Well, then they're not paying any attention to you. And so... <laughs> And so, you know, you're wondering, I, I get a lot of them in for training, right? It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so this dog doesn't know it's a dog and it thinks it's the center of the universe. Well, okay, I guess I'll be the bad guy. And I'm, my, I'm just, for a while, the dog is like, good Lord, you're kind of tough, aren't you? And what's, what happened is, and all of that, and I, again, I'll say this, when people do that with dogs, they are avoiding all the hard stuff. They're not doing the nitty-gritty tough love stuff like got to walk on a leash, got to sit, got to come when I call. They're not doing that because it's hard, right? And then the dog learns, you don't have to do anything. Just wait them out. They'll finally give up on you. And so when a young dog's brain develops no neural paths that involve responsiveness, thinking, paying attention, 
staying on task, when none of those neural paths are developed, then they don't have them later on. And if it goes too far, they don't ever have them. And so I don't know that people realize when you have a young dog, just like a child, if the stuff you have going on inside their head isn't practiced and worked on and emphasized, then you may really struggle to get that later on when you have to have it, or you may not be able to get it. It's no different than if you have a kid and you never teach them to read. You never teach them to read, um, so they never know how to read. And pretty soon, you know, it's going to become a problem that because versus the kid, my mom taught me to read when I was three and four years old. It was awesome because, boy, did that help me so many times through many, many things later on um, because those neural paths in me, they started as soon as they could. And so that made a lot of school and a lot of education way easier than if she hadn't have been bothered with that and I just could watch cartoons or whatever we had when I was a kid. Um, it would have made a, an entirely different experience for me. And so same with puppies. If you have puppies and when they're old enough who can learn to pay attention to you, to stop and have to think, to have consequences when they make choices they're capable of making and it's the wrong one like I'm not going to stay over here by you when you call me you need to teach animals to think and one of the things I want to debunk here and, and I'm not going to I'm going to cut this one short a little bit because it's a little bit of a, a soapbox thing here but when people have especially in our retriever world you know you get these little high energy guys not all of them but a lot of them are real high energy and so what does everybody do with the high energy? And I've said this on many podcasts, right? Oh, man, we throw uh, stuff for them, you know, for half an hour. We throw stuff because we want to wear them out. Actually, you're doing the exact opposite of that because when you do chaotic, wild stuff, like, you know, running them behind a truck or just throwing them f ball or whatever, you're throwing f seven million times. There's no thinking going on in there. None. There is just wild kind of frenzied, go get it, bring it back, kind of fling it at them, right? And go get it and go get it. There's no thinking. So, and they, but this is fun. One, there's, it's just no effort. They love running after something and they don't have to think and they don't have to listen and they don't have to work with you. They don't have to do anything. It's running. So we have nothing going on in the head. Just a real primal kind of a deal. And we're spending a lot of energy and building up a lot of muscle and getting stronger and stronger. So we're just growing and advancing this completely non-thinking mode, just making it worse. And when we put dogs on leashes or we just let them do whatever they want, pull us those expandable leashes, I'd outlaw those suckers. Unless when you're in a city and have to have one, you know, our dogs just learn to pull and just do whatever they want. And they just always do that. Then they develop the pull as hard as you can neural paths. They've been taught that. Just wherever you want to go, just go, go harder. You'll get there eventually. So all the little neural paths are being formed on these young dogs, everybody. Whether you're thinking about it or not, it's happening. And so if you're forming the wild and crazy ones and just exercising them a lot without ever making them have to think, especially when there's a consequence, like barking. I think when dogs bark, 
a lot, there should be a consequence so that they can, you know, and if they choose to bark, then they have that consequence. And the consequence needs to be high enough that they go, you know, I think I'm not going to bark anymore. Different for different dogs. But stuff like that, because they have to think about that. If they just mindlessly bark and it's always okay, then there's not a thought going on. And so, so many dogs with a lot of brains and a lot of ability are never made to think until somewhere down the line you go, ah, I need this dog to start doing this stuff. Or, and you see them out hunting, somebody has, brings their dog that never learned how to think about anything out in the open field and just takes off. There it goes, poof, gone. Birds flying up if there's any out there. Can't, it doesn't come back. Everybody's on the electric collar. That's the most cruel thing I've ever seen. The poor dog never made to understand consequences, expectations, behaviors, teamwork. Never made to understand that. And people just go out there and get mad because it does exactly what the dog had been conditioned to do from the very beginning. So what is in your dog's head? What neural paths in the youngsters you want to form? needs to be in your thoughts when you're talking about training dogs, even little tiny ones. You know, and I'll even say little, not eight weeks, but when you start getting a 12-week-old puppy, you know, I'll, I'll make them sit when I throw something if they have a high desire. I will never, ever, 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 ever use retrieving for exercise. Ever. Ever. So I always say dogs get two, three, four retrieves at most at a time. My big dogs, the little puppies, that's all they get. There's a reason for that. There's a reason you don't throw the ball or whatever. Well, if you got a pointing dog, don't throw balls at all, all right? And don't throw sticks. Have the thing that they, that they retrieve. And they see it and go, oh, it's job time. And then as soon as you, when they have a high desire, right, then you can make them sit, throw it, let them, and then send them on a predetermined term, term that you'll use forever. But what you're doing is teaching them, okay, you don't get to do very much of this. Oh, and it's so fun. So they get highly passionate, not highly crazy. They get very focused because this isn't going to last very long and they love it. So they, and you make them sit, right? So they watch. So they learn to sit and focus and think and stay on task and go get it. And then they have to come back. I had a podcast on this last one, I think. Right? All of that is developing these neural paths that you want later on that are there, present. And that's how the dog functions. But it's all about what are they thinking right now? And if they're thinking nothing, that's not something that you want to advance or support or enhance. They can think nothing when they're laying out in the backyard. Then they can just think nothing or if they're chasing a butterfly around or whatever, that's fine. But when you're doing work, you want them to begin to really learn how to focus and stay on task. And almost every dog I've ever, almost every dog I've ever known is capable of that. Particularly if you start early and develop those neural paths before the crazy, wild, chaotic, oh, this is a high energy dog. I need to exercise them all the time. No, you don't. You need to make them think all the time. And that's going to change all of that. Thinking drains energy more than running. Running kind of just gets you stronger and more fit and more able to do that. Thinking 
makes you get very tired because thinking is hard. So uh, that's going to be today's it, it, all the way through. And when your dog is further down the road and they're doing stuff and they care more about what they want than you want, that's still the problem. <laughs> when you've clearly shown them what you want and they go, no, I'd really rather do this, then you, the mistake is on, on you that you've never shown them, this is kind of, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to require that you do it. I'm going to do it calmly, without anger, without punishment, without all. I'm just going to enforce the things that I've taught. I'm going to hold you to it. My standard will not change. You can always count on that I mean what I say. And if you can do that, then your dog will get through that stuff. But instead of blaming external behaviors, read the external behavior is what it probably really means. And what have you done to uh, create that and make them that way because if you'd never done that they wouldn't be that way so all you guys with youngsters think about the neural paths you want to want to form and a smart count talented capable dog just like any one of us responds well to that they like it they love learning they love being challenged they love accomplishing things they love doing more things but you have to teach them well and if they tell you they don't want to listen then you need to find a way to get their respect, not their fear, their respect. So they're going, I do, I need to pay attention to you. And I'm not going to think about the dog over there running around. I got to pay attention to you. And it's very, very feasible thing to do. So I just wanted to get that one out because it's, if you can't talk about what your dog's behavior means, what they're saying, what's in their head, training is very uh, non-rewarding for both of you. So that's this week's. Got a big hunt test that's coming this weekend, so I might be a day late or a dollar short on the next one, but I'll get that there as quick as I can. I hope everybody is staying healthy, happy, and safe, and I will be back very soon.